On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving, at your desk, maybe at the gym, but you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach and see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp Cricket Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Menzel, a.k.a. Menas, and joining me today, I have gun cricket writer from the Daily Telegraph, Ben Horn. Ben, how are you? Good, Menas. Good to be back for again, again for another show. It's starting to get a bit closer to the summer. Yeah, it is very close, just next month. And our other guest is a special guest. He played seven tests for Australia and memorably helped to save an Ashes test in 1993 at Trent Bridge, which was coincidentally my first test in England viewing. I was there. And then he was part of the team that won the Sir Frank Worrell Trophy in 1995 for the first time in almost two decades. And he also competed with Shane Lee throughout the 90s for being the best non-playing <laughs> member of the touring party. Welcome to the show, Brendan Julian. How are you? Man, it's great to uh, be along, mate. I don't think I competed with Shane Lee. I think I was just well above him. <laughs> I don't know what he was saying. I think you were good at dancing and he was good at playing the guitar. Could have been. I mean, I always hate it when people do my tests, my stats, because I go, what? Seven tests. I I started in '93, finished in World Cup '99. I mean, I went on, I went on more tours than played tests. So what does that mean? Well, admittedly, <laughs> back then it was there wasn't as much rotation. So they used to play the same eleven or twelve a lot more. Lucky often. for me, then, wasn't it? <laughs> Not really. All right. So Brendan is also the host of one of my favourite cricket shows, Inside Cricket. So it's great to have you here to talk in person. Uh, you must have been absolutely thrilled when Fox Sports secured the right for the rights for the cricket. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, I think it was something that we've been working on for a while. I mean, there's no doubt that you know we wanted to get involved in domestic cricket. The last time we did that was uh, with the Big Bash and obviously 50 over cricket. So that was always uh, something in our in our minds. But, I mean, we always owned the rights to overseas cricket uh, right since I've been involved for about you know 10, 10, 11 years here at Fox Sports. So for us. I think it's just a big shift. I and mean, I think it's a big shift for the viewers and the listeners as well. I mean, you've got to remember now that, um, you know, obviously Seven will, will run it as well and we'll do it and we'll have some uh, other, other product, but we'll do it in a different way. And I think that's something that, that I'm looking forward to. And I think it's the final piece in the puzzle for us now with, you know, 24-hour cricket. You can watch it all and there's only one place you can watch it. So, yeah, looking forward to it. So you've been here 10 or 12 years, mm. you were saying. I guess when, when the announcement came and everyone's scrambling from 9 and 10... You were just kicking back, having a latte, going, I'm sorted. <laughs> well, well, you're right. I mean, I was sort of um, – I sort of knew that we were obviously going to have a, have a good chance of getting the cricket rights. But, look, I, I've been at Fox, you know, right from the start. I mean, I basically um, got the job at Fox when David Hooks got killed. So I sort of came in and took on that role as well. So for me – I haven't really wanted to go anywhere else. I mean, uh, even when we, we lost the Big Bash at Channel 10, I was quite happy to sit back and, and sort of do our cricket. Because we still had a lot of cricket to do anyway. Yes, it was restricted in the summer we, we did our inside cricket show, but, you know, it, it didn't bother me. I'm, I'm not a type of person that sort of looks around and wants to jump networks and do all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, for me, as you said, it was just a matter of just waiting and uh, for the ideal opportunity that we've got. Now you've got lots of company now, huge Fox Sports cricket huge. team, Gilly, Warney. You're looking forward to working with them? Yeah, and I've worked with a lot of them before. So to me, uh, yeah, well, exactly right. So look, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, we've got a great cast. We'll go through them, you know, in detail a bit later. But yeah, we've got a good team. We've got a great team, um, good bunch of guys. I've played with them. I've worked with them. So it's not something that's um, not new to me. So, and I think they're looking forward to it as well. You know, something a bit different. Nine's had the rights for, you know, 40 odd years or whatever it is. So, you know, um, yeah, this will be good. Very much so. So in today's podcast, we're going to talk about all the cricket headlines and then we're going to be the first of our series of media specials. We're going to talk about the changing TV landscape for the cricket coverage. Then in the coming weeks, we're going to touch on the radio and the print media. But great to have a, someone from Fox Sports to talk about the changing TV landscape. But let's start with the cricket headlines brought to you by Sydney's Daily Telegraph. The Australia A four-day squad leaves for India very soon to play two four-day 
Australia A test, essentially. And the, I guess the real storyline overarching this is the spots for the test team against Pakistan in the UAE. And four players, batsmen, who have a lot of, who really have a lot at stake in this tour. You've got Peter Hanscom, Travis Head, Curtis Patterson, and Usman Khawaja. And Ben, you wrote an interesting piece for the Daily Telegraph yesterday about those four and also adding Aaron Finch into the mix as people really pushing for a test spot. Yeah, I've, I've heard that Aaron Finch is in the mix. Um, you know, there's a long way to play out. And I know that Justin Langer does want to really put a lot of uh, trust in what's happening in this A series. And, and Aaron Finch isn't there. So I suppose that's, um, that works against him a little bit. But I think he's impressed a lot with what he's done in white ball cricket. He's in excellent form. Completely different format, obviously. Uh, but they feel like he might go okay against the spinners in, in the UAE. And also, his first-class record for Victoria over the last three years has been good. Overall, in his career, he, he struggled uh, in first-class cricket, but he's averaged over 40 uh, the last three years, admittedly batting down the order most of the time. But, you know, perhaps he... I, I think he's a, he's a leading candidate for David Warner's spot. There's no doubt he'd be in the mix. I mean, I, I think um, the way that the Australian team is at the moment, they need some sort of um, seniority at the top of the order. But the hardest thing for Finch, I reckon, is... You go to Dubai against Pakistan, the openers that you use over there, I think have probably got to play the first test at the Gabba. Oh, sorry, the first test in Australia, I should say. It's not the Gabba. But, and that's going to be a tough one for him because you know it's going to be spinning track straight away. We're going to be playing India in their four-test series uh, here in Australia. So he's got to be able to combat spin, and I'm not so sure that he can do that well enough. But I, I think what, what Justin's got to do is get some, something sorted in the top, four or five that they know that they're there for a while I mean I just don't think you can go to Dubai and in the and you know let's say we don't do well there in the in the top of the order they struggle and then bang you've got to change the team again the first test I think you've got to make sure that those openers and the top three especially probably you know start mm. the summer here I mean one thing in 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 one day series in um in England I just wanted Finch to open I just think he's a, he's, a, he's a gun opening one day cricket. Make him open and leave him there. Don't slide him down the order. I don't think he's any good down the order. I think, I think I you know, you, you've just got to give players say, mate, you are an opener. This is where you're going to be. We see you as your role. I think Joe's got to make sure he defines the role of the players. Now, I know with this Australia A, he'll be saying, look, this is a precursor to the test, guys. All spots are up available, so everyone's struggling to try and find a spot. Once you start the, uh, the summer, and I reckon the summer starts against Pakistan. I don't Absolutely. think it starts against India. So I want to make sure that that plan is set for the place so they know that, okay, I'll get a decent crack at this, and, and then bang, we'll go from there. And it's I almost think- the reverse um, for Usman Khawaja, isn't it, BJ? Yeah. Because if they are looking at their first test lineup against India in Adelaide, he's probably there. But is he there for the first no. test yeah. in the UAE? So he is on this Australia A tour so it's a huge assignment for, for Usman Khawaja in India to just to I think yeah get in the side for it, the summer exactly right and, and the thing with Usman is they don't rate him against spin they always say we well, don't I want to take him he should seas. open in, if he goes to the UAE Usman should open with Matt Renshaw well look and, and that's and that's fine but will he open in the first test in, at Adelaide no and that's, that'll be the thing that they'll have to try and work out what they want to do. They, how are they going to shuffle these type of players going on? Because so many times, I mean, I did the two in Sri Lanka when Usman Khawaja played a test, looked horrible, bang, he was gone, went to Bangladesh, played first test, ran himself out in the second innings, gone. <laughs> so they'll be thinking, you know, what are we going to do with this guy? Are we just going to play him in Adelaide? Are we just going to play him on the flat tracks? Who knows? I think, I think this Australia A tour is very important for Usman to, to score some runs and sort of alleviate those concerns that the selectors might have. The other one about Aaron Finch is I think his character is starting to come into play here that they want someone of his character, his ilk, his leadership potential in the dressing room. So they'd be desperate to get him in. Well, yeah, it's a funny one with that. Like, I think you're right. I think he would be another experienced voice and he's a leader. But I think they've got hesitations about making him the one-day captain heading into next year's World Cup, which they do need to find. A They've got to pick that person pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and I'm not sure that they're 100% confident that he's the man. So it's it, that's a really interesting conundrum that's facing them. It's obviously not the immediate focus, but that you know Tim Payne I don't think can be in the one-day side. So it, it, I, I don't think he needs to be in the one-day side. Mm. I mean, you don't need now an Australian captain to do the lot. Smithy could do that because he was a good enough player to be in all formats. If you're not good enough to be in the team, then I think you shouldn't be playing. And Tim Payne, look, I'm happy for him to be the test captain at the moment. 
So let him focus on that because that's that's a big enough job in itself. The way I see it um, is there's three players in the top six who are probably locked in for Pakistan, injury depending, and that's the Marsh brothers and Matt Renshaw. What about Maxwell? Because he's been rested from this Australia A tour. I think he'll be in the squad. Whether or not he's in the... um, you know, the, the run-on side will be another well, game. Well, yeah, look, and I think he should be on the run-on side. I, I mean, agree. I think he should be in the top six, whether they bat him five and six. Um, probably six would be the best option for him. For some, JL's got to get the best out of him. I don't think Lehman, I don't think Stephen Smith rated him that much. JL's got to make the call and say, listen, he either brings him in and says, right, you're in. This is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to play. And it's up to the coach to get the best out of him. I, I reckon he's good enough to be in this side. Um, certainly at the moment. Now you've got Warner out and you've got oh, Smith out. Maxi, I think, can bring a lot to the side as long as they can get the best out of him. I mean, I don't think he's a complicated guy. I think, yeah, he's a little bit different, a little bit quirky, but, God, i played in many, many Australian sides and squads that have had quirky players in there, but it's about getting the best out of him. I think he's good enough to be in the side. No doubt about that. Absolutely. So it's up talent. to him. There, there is obviously two theories on uh, him not being in this Australia A squad. One that, He's not in the mix at all, and one that he's already in. I think he is already in. Have to be. Well, I have yeah. on really good authority that he said he was made aware he wasn't going to be selected for this tour to have a rest. Mm. And that, so I think he. W- I would have still sent him to be honest. I mean, I don't see what the harm there would have been giving him some more matches over there. He's been there he like seventeen to times. That's, yeah. that's. I'll yeah. be shocked if he's not in the in the you know the test squad go to Dubai for the Pakistan series. I agree. Mitch Stark uh, has said he's on track for the Pakistan tests. He was one of the sports stars that slept out at the SCG on Sunday night for the Chapel Foundation sleep out to raise awareness for homelessness. Great event. Lots of cricketers took part. One of those cricketers that took part was Moses Enriquez who made a, a startling and courageous ad- admission via Twitter that he's been a long-time sufferer of mental illness and during this time he was extremely fortunate to have amazing support and love from family and friend family and friends it dawned on me during my struggle how would someone cope with mental health challenges without these su- support structures in place to help them i mean very courageous of moses to, to put that out there publicly he took some time off cricket last year uh, obviously around this issue and you know when someone in this public position does this i think it really helps the broader community Absolutely, yeah. I think um, you know it's it's very inspirational. It, it was a, it was a class act um, that message, and it's helped raise a lot of money first and foremost for this found at Chapel Foundation. But you know, I think it is important for people who are who are suffering in this way to to hear other people talk about it. And um, you know, we've we've heard some examples in other sports. Um, I know Greg Inglis has come forward and spoken about his issues, and uh, I think it's really important. Well, I think the public perception is like you see these these top athletes out there, whether it be rugby league, AFL or cricket or whatever it is, thinking mental illness, illness what's going on there? I mean, shouldn't they be big and strong and this and that? Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people don't really understand what they go through, a lot of professional sportsmen, you know, and behind the scenes there's... You know, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of pressure that goes into performing out there day in and day out. And everyone has their opinion now. That's that's a big thing. Everyone on social media and papers and print and TV have opinions on these guys and see them all the time. And, you know, and some of those comments can, can really affect them. Some some of the players just wash it off and they think it's okay. So there's a, there's a whole conundrum of um, emotions and pressures that professional sports people get uh, get put on them. And, Absolutely. And the thing with it is, you know, people out uh, out in the street, um, they just see a, a person out there, male or female or whatever it is, earning lots and lots of money and going, what's the problem there? There's no pressure there. But you can't you can't separate them. You know, what you get paid and what you do for a living, you can't separate it if, you, if, you, if you're struggling mentally to try and cope with those pressures. And, you know, that's a great thing with Moses. I mean, he, yes, he's taken the lid off. We know that other sports people have done that, but... I think that's probably good for him personally to be able to get that off his off his shoulders mm. a bit and obviously help a lot of other players as well. So, look, I, I agree with him. He's such a great guy too. I mean, we often look at him as a player and go, you know, this is a talented all-rounder. Why isn't he playing for Australia? He should be doing this. He went to India on a test tour. But for him to come out and, and do this, I, I think that sort of just lifts the lid on, a, on, on, on something that's been there for a long, long time. And it's really hard when you're feeling 
that way, whatever it is, depressed or anxious, to then put yourself in the public eye. You know, your career plays out in the newspapers, on the TV. So there's no hiding if you're feeling yeah. that. So really um, admirable for Moses and all the people that took part in the sleep out. Two friends of the podcast, Lisa Stalake and Pete Lawler, were instrumental in getting that off the ground. So if you've got if you've got a spare bit of a cash, please go to the thechapelfoundation.com and you can still donate to that cause. And um, any listeners out there, please go and have a look, thechapelfoundation.com. All right, the next cricket headline, and this is a touchy subject, so we're going to tread carefully here. But an issue was raised in the Fairfax newspapers that a former Cricket Australia staffer, Angela Wilson, was fired in late June after tweeting criticisms of the Tasmanian government's action on abortion access and is suing Cricket Australia for unfair dismissal resulting from those tweets. Now, it's even in the last 24 hours, the story's moved a little bit and that the Australian Cricketers Association are asking for this issue to be looked at into the the, the review that's going on in Australian cricket. So now this could even uh, be further in the spotlight. And while this is still playing out in the courts, I guess my sort of view on this is it's a very challenging PR issue for Cricket Australia and you know they project this image of inclusion and diversity and they've been great supporters of women's cricket but the challenge is when these issues come up how do they deal with them? Well look I'll go first Ben I mean you're right it's a PR disaster for Cricket Australia no doubt about that I mean I would have thought you know and I'm looking at this from afar so I'm not into the detail I know it's in the courts at the moment but at least you Cricket Australia would be thinking right hang on we would have had a shocking couple of months, you know, what's happened in South Africa. Let's tread lightly here. Let's just sort of say, okay, we're having a look at this. Now, whether they want to dismiss someone or at least put it on hold and take take time off and say to um, Andrew Williamson to, you know, okay, we're just going to – we're going to – put this on hold for a bit. We're going to do a bit of a, a review, obviously, and look at it and all that. But that just seems like a very strong reaction from Cricket Australia at a time when you think they would be doing it quite carefully. Look, I, yeah, exactly, Brennan. I think it, again, shows an element of Cricket Australia just living in their own bubble and not being aware of, of what people in the wider world are thinking. I mean, that was mainly the problem in South Africa with the ball tampering, which is obviously a completely different issue and, mm. um, you know, completely different level of uh, seriousness. But, yeah, I, I think it does show that it's, a, it's an insular organisation and, um, you know, I, I don't know whether it was the Players Association's place to recommend mm. that the Ethics Centre look at this, but I think that the Ethics Centre should look at it in their cultural review. Absolutely. I think if you're going to do an entire organisation review of the culture, then something like this is, you know, screaming out to be looked at. I mean, what if it had been a player that had tweeted out that political view? Would they have been, you know, taken off contract? You know, so it's a grey area. I don't reckon it would have been as harsh. That's my opinion. If that was a player... Uh, one of the, let's say one of the female Australian cricketers came out and expressed a, an opinion on something like this, I don't think they would have mm. gone, you're sacked. No doubt. That, that, I don't reckon that would have happened at all because they would have gone, oh, no, 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 hang on, we can't do that. That's going to be that's going to be massive. That's going to hit the headlines big time and we don't need this type of trouble. But what they don't understand, and I agree with you, Ben, is it doesn't matter if it's a cricketer or a, or a female cricketer or, or a staffer. To me, it's their organisation. So either way... Uh, it affects them no matter what it is. So that's that's why well, I agree with you, man. It's a PR disaster and, for them. You know, the other thing in this is her position in the company was to deal with the government. Cricket Australia are very reliant on uh, grants from the government. And, you know, no doubt that's an important thing for any sports organisation, but there just seems to be a very common theme with Cricket Australia that money seems to dictate almost anything that they do and I think that that's, that's a bit of an issue. I mean, I know that there's people at Cricket Australia who are very frustrated just because of the real advancements that they have made in women's cricket and, you know, we've heard a lot of stuff in the last week about the AFL women's players being furious about the way that their competition's being handled by the AFL. Cricket has, has handled women's cricket Seamlessly, I mean, they've they've made all the advancements yep. at the right I mean, time. World leaders, and, not just well, leaders and also in the, the new TV rights deal was fantastic for women's cricket. So yeah. they have they've they've, yeah. ta- they've taken big yeah. steps forward. And I think there's just frustrations that every time that there's those advancements, there's something like this that takes the gloss away. I mean, yeah, I, I think that. Do you think that, though that what's happened to Cricket Australia is it's being run too much like a big company? 
and you can look at the pay dispute, you can look at this, and sometimes they don't think about the, the PR ramifications. You know, if you're running a company, you don't have the same PR ramifications well, that you do being ministers of the national sport. Well, you look, I, I, look, I don't know. I mean, I'm just looking at this going, you know, did it go right to the top, do you think? Do you think it went to James Sutherland, this dismissal? I mean, it, let's say it didn't, and it just got stuck down in Tasmania, and they went, oh, no. You know, we're making a decision, mm. and then all of a sudden the ramifications are quite big. I mean, that, I mean, I don't know that. That's what I'm saying. I wonder if it actually got right to the top where James Sullivan had to make that call. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe Peeva would be involved in stuff like I this. Wouldn't have, no. I wouldn't have thought so. No, I think it, it, it's a it's a HR issue. I don't think it would go that far up. But I mean, it's a PR issue, but it's also a, a human issue as well. I mean, you just yeah, you it just requires wonder. some thought into it and going, right, hang on, how are we going to deal with this on a, you know, it's going to affect us. Well, and I agree with Ben. And what they, what you you would have thought they needed to do was say, okay, how's this, what is the worst, this is going to be a disaster. This, do we, are we making, firstly, are we making the right decision? Mm. Is it really needed, that type of thing? Or a discussion needed to be made, you would have thought. Well, I haven't received a whole lot of uh, support from the Tasmanian government who's denying that they ever had an issue with her at all. So that sort of left Cricket Australia out on their own a bit too. <laughs> all right, well, now some good news now for cricket and, and for Fox Sports. BJ, you'll be happy yep. about this. Chris Lynn is available for the Queensland 50-over domestic team for the first time in five years. That kicks off next month, and it comes on the back of Adam Gilchrist saying recently to the Daily Telegraph, I think Chris Lynn is a must for Australian oh. white ball cricket teams. What do you think? Oh, look, I agree with Gilly there. I mean, you get him in 50-over cricket, this guy can go. I mean, you look at England playing Australia in England just recently – they had players that just went from ball one right through the 50 overs. I, I, I think the 50 over game has just been supercharged by 2020 cricket. And now if you're, in your, if you're picking an Australian side now, I'd be picking top eight batsmen that just go hard. And they go hard from ball one and we're looking at 400, 420, 430. So I, I'd want Linny in the side if he, could, if he could be fit. I mean, I just can't believe um, how he gets injured with his shoulder. I mean, when he did his last shoulder there, diving to his left when he's had his right arm going over the side, it just looked so bad. I mean, I'm just thinking, JL's got to get someone, you know, a fielding coach in there that can just get these guys to field. I mean, you know, it's hard though because you can't get guys in the side that can't throw and can't field either. I mean, it's only so, I mean, in this day and age, seriously, You've got to have guys that are 100% fit there and bat and bowl or whatever, but they've got to be able to field and it's throw. It's hard probably. to hide someone in the field. Well, you shouldn't be able to do it anyway. I mean, come on. But uh, you know what I love? I can't believe it's been five years. When you said that, I went, what, five years? What's going on? Why hasn't he been able to play? And that's obviously because of injuries and scheduling Caravan, and stuff like that. Premier League, all these well, players that's right. paid a fortune to play. I think, But it's good that he's back. I mean, I, I agree with Gilly. Yeah, I'd love to get him in the one-day squad. My thing with Chris Lynn is that I don't think there's a cooler head under pressure at the crease. If you watch him in those pressure cooker chases, especially for the Brisbane Heat, he just mm. doesn't get up. He doesn't get wound up. He just concentrates. He's focused. He seems to be in his own little zone and be able to get the job done. Now, win a World Cup or these big chases that are becoming so much a part of 50-over cricket, someone with that sort of cool head under pressure would be an obvious asset, but... He still needs to play 50 over cricket to build those beginnings because, you know, a quick 40 or 50 in a T20 game can be a match changer. In a 50 over game, you really need a big 100. Well, it's funny. I mean, I think there's people in Australian cricket that want to see him play first class cricket because that kind of notion of building in innings can really help his 50 over game. But unfortunately, physically, I don't think he's up to it. And there's no doubt that Australia want him in their 50-over side. I mean, it's not even mm. a debate. They yep. they want him, I think, as their number three batsman at the World Cup. And they've been trying to uh, phase that in for the last 18 months. But physically, he just, he just doesn't seem to come up to the mark. So it's a major concern. And him getting through this JLT Cup will be very telling. I mean, if he can't get through that, then uh, perhaps they're going to have to think about going in a different direction. Yeah, look, I agree. The fitness is a big one for him. I mean, you'll play the JLT Cup series. Um, you would have thought he'd go to Pakistan for those T20 games. And then Bangy comes back and gets stuck into the, the one-day format against South Africa. So there's not a lot of games there anyway. You know, he plays those domestic 50-over games. There's a bit of a break in between that and the, and the Dubai T20. So he's going to have to, one, be fit. Two, probably use that limited preparation, really, because he's not going to play shield cricket. But, yeah, look, he's a wonderful player. There's no doubt about that. I mean, injury is the, is the issue with him. So um, hopefully he can get through this. I think he has the skill set that, 
the Australian team is missing. I mean, there's all, yeah. there's a there, there's a lot of things wrong with the Australian one day side, but I think he's the main. That's the main thing. Like they, there's just this power that England has at the top of the order. I think they have Alex Hales at number three, mm. and it's just this sort of onslaught at the top. And Australia's got Finch and Warner, but after that, it's that there's no flow in the in the lineup, and I think he can provide that, but. You know, the big if is whether his shoulder can can be right. Someone who won't be playing in the big bash this summer is Mitchell Johnson. He's hung up his boots. Uh, he's going to play in the Dubai T20s that are – it's only a three-week competition rather than the big bash, which is uh, blown out to almost two months now, the competition. Is that the 10-over comp? I think it's – no, it's a new T20 comp they're starting. There's a separate – Separate one. Yeah. yeah. Probably playing that one too. Right? <laughs> There's a 10 overcome there as well. <laughs> so that's a shame. Mitch Johnson is done. Is Brad Hogg done? We just uh, checked before. He's 47. Should be. Should be. I mean, I, I think, I mean, I love Hoggy. I played Shield cricket and one day cricket with Hoggy. Great revelation coming back into, into the Big Bash. But at 47, seriously. I mean, if someone picks him up, I'm thinking, have we not got anyone out there that they can take this guy's place? He's been a wonderful servant to the Big Bash. But the Big Bash is also a competition that it's meant to be cutting edge. I mean, I don't think you can have players in there at 47 that are sort of limited, you know, And four the 14 hours. games makes it much harder for the yeah. players. You've got to be fitter. You've got to have more well, stamina. So. I'd be surprised if he's... Rolls them out again. The news has come out that, that unfortunately will be no AB de Villiers despite our strong efforts yeah, on this podcast to lure him to <laughs> the Sydney Sixers. That has not happened. Ben Stokes, though, is a maybe. He's a question mark. The English players have a lot of availability over that period. Uh, I think, did you write an article, Ben, about Ben Stokes possibly playing for the Sixers or them looking at him? I did, yeah. He's, um, you know, he's, he's someone that's on their radar, but it's a huge... There's a huge asterisk there in the form of his uh, court, court case this as week. We record this so podcast. I think I think he's someone that they would seriously consider if the court case played out in such a way this week that he's not carrying any baggage. But mm. um, you know, who, who knows what's going to happen um, this week? But if you look at him, he's one of the best T20 players in the world, and he's allowed to play for his country. So I guess. You know, a BBL team. That amazes me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that court case is due to start next week or this week, and he's playing for England. I mean, I, I'm actually wondering, they've probably got a heads up on the court case, you know, and, and going, you know what, it's going to be all right, so you, you can filter him into the into the, into the the test. But do you think it would be a, a PR problem for oh. the Big Bash if you had Stokes running around? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it depends what comes out of the court case. You know, if the court case says uh, in, in, a, in a sort of a favourable way for him, uh, when you look at the vision, you think, well, it's not even favourable anyway. But And then you go from now till the start of the Big Bash, there's a lot of water that goes under the bridge there. I mean, I think I mean, people love I think an enemy. He could be, be that uh, enemy. I think, um, you know, the big issue is perhaps that up against Steve Smith and Dave Warner being... Band. I mean, people may look at it and go, well, uh, Steve Smith and Dave Warner can't get a game over here, yet yet Ben Stokes can. There's, there's so but, many but, but even then, Ben, I mean, I think it's a great, uh, a silly thing from Cricket Australia as well. I mean, one minute, they can't play here, can't play Shield Cricket, they play Club Cricket, can't play JLT, can't play Big Bash, but they can go and play in Canada and go and play in the Caribbean. David Warner's playing and in Smith. the Caribbean and Smith, and I'm like... Well, to me, it defies logic that the idea was Cricket Australia was obviously to punish the players. Then why let them play anywhere else then? I mean, that's what I don't get. I don't understand why they're letting them do that. I absolutely agree. They should be playing Shield Cricket. huge oversight by Cricket Australia. Shield Cricket needs that injection. I know we're digressing, but Shield Cricket needs an injection of these quality players. I mean, why on earth would you not let them be playing Shield Cricket? But I've said, what about the Big Bash? You have all these kids and families there. They could be walking ads for how you should play the game now and, you know, change perceptions after what happened. It's it's been a... Stuff up, but and the and the only reason they won't change it is because well they'll be looking they, like now they've they've got to backtrack. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure that's enough of a reason. If you made a, a mistake in the first place, I actually I don't think it would be as much of a PR disaster as what people are fearing. Oh, I no, people, think, people people will move on. But what what it, what it looks silly though. It just looks silly that they're playing. They're out there playing, yeah, and, it wasn't and people will go, well, hang on, you're letting them play there, but you won't let them play here. Why? As Shane Watson yeah. said, they're going and promoting other competitions. They should be promoting our comps. It, it was done, you know, and, and there was enormous pressure on Cricket Australia at the time. It was a difficult process for them, but 
it all happened too quickly, basically. I don't think they thought through all these yeah. ramifications. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, I said that right at the start when I was in South Africa. Firstly, then walking to the press conference was stupid. But the re- the reaction was very, very big. I mean, I, I you know, what they could have done, Cricket Show has gone, right, yes, they're suspended for the end of this tour, and then we're going to review it. We're going to sit back, let the dust settle. But at the moment, they are done in South Africa. And pending an investigation, we will decide what we're going to do with them uh, moving forward into the Australian summer. I mean, they just could have taken the heat out of that straight away. And you get back to PR like we're talking about. I mean, the crisis management was just awful. But like I said, I mean, they've they got, the, they got the holes in it now when, you know, they're out playing other competitions. It's crazy. Agree. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Before we do that, a quick wicket celebration update. You know, I've been keeping tabs on the the gangster gangster celebrations coming to cricket. Uh, Virat Kohli has given back to Joe Root after his bat drop. Virat Kohli ran Joe Root out, then did another mime of a mic drop, gave Root a little bit of send-off. Now, I love this stuff. I think this is great for cricket. I have no problems with Root dropping his bat. I think Kohli biting back is – this is what – people want they want like theater yeah. they want personalities you look at the nba you could you know these comps you need that bravado well look i agree and look and look just quickly the cricket is, is copped a bit because it's probably gone over the over the limit a couple of times I and mean, when when it doesn't need to be you know the warner send off of ab de Villiers was way over the top but if in check and this is where administrators coaches are going to pull up their hand and go right yeah we're happy with this creative sort of stuff that goes on we need that. There's no doubt about that. But it's just when it steps over the line. But I think Coley will be celebra- great I mean, we've seen in the CPL there's a player, doctoral, it's a sergeant. He was in the army. He does a, a military salute every time he gets a wicket. Right. I mean, I love that stuff. I hope the Big Bash can bring that stuff to the fore next summer. Just with uh, quickly with, with Virat, I mean, that is, to me, the highlight of this summer. The fact that yep. you look at the position that the Australian team will be in where I think they will still be trying to find out how they want to play. They can't go too far that way. They can't go too far back that way. And Virat Kohli is just going to feast on that. Definitely. He'll he'll be in their face trying to niggle them all throughout the summer. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with the commentary critique segment, the most popular segment on the show. I just want to remind all the listeners, if you've got time, can you please rate and review the show on whatever app you listen to podcasts on. Tell all your cricket-loving friends about the show. And there's lots of great ways to listen. There's a new Google podcast app for Android users. There's Spotify or there's any podcast app on the iOS uh, devices. The best way to follow a podcast is to subscribe on an app so you get regular show updates. So I'd encourage you all to do that. And we'll be back in a moment with the commentary critique segment. Welcome back to Cricket Unfiltered, the News Corp cricket podcast. I'm Andrew Mensel, your host, and I'm here with Brendan Julian from Fox Sports and Ben Horn from The Daily Telegraph. And today we have the first segment in a series of special cricket media um, discussions. Today we're going to focus on TV and then down the track we're going to focus on radio and podcasts and print media. But let's start with the commentary critique segment for TV. But let, let's let's set the scene for the listeners. For the first time ever, we've got two networks broadcasting cricket at the same time. We've got Fox Sports and Channel 7. So not only there, is there an obvious competition between the two networks, but what's most exciting is it's a complete reset of the cricket commentary landscape and the cricket broadcasting landscape. So I want to look at both lineups, Seven and Fox. Let's start with the potential stars of the new coverage. Now, for Fox Sports, I am thrilled Alan Border will be front and centre with the cricket coverage. I think it's pretty well known that when he retired, he gave his story to Channel 7. That meant Channel 9 did not sign him and give him a job in the commentary box. Kerry Packer may have held grudges. So Alan Border has been with Fox Sports. Now he's front and centre in cricket coverage. I think, BJ, you've worked with him so closely for years. He's such a wealth of cricket knowledge. Well, he is, and he's revered as well. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things with AB. Um, You know, he he doesn't... Original skipper. Yeah, and he doesn't shuffle around. He's been with Fox, I think, 15 years, right at the start. He's always been part of the coverage. I remember uh, when he was in the West Indies in 1995, he was in commentary with David Hooks. And so he's been around for a long, long time. And I think one of the big things with AB is he just gives our commentary team... A bit of substance in the terms of, you know, respect. 
I think a lot of the Australian public, certainly the younger generation, obviously haven't seen a lot of AB, but the older generation, you know, my era, you know, 40s up, no AB. And you only need to mention his name and everyone goes, oh, yeah, well, AB, you know, you know, unbelievable. Michael Vaughan tweeted, he's on our, just can't wait to work with AB. And so that's the big thing with AB. And he, he doesn't say a lot, but he doesn't need to. You know, you have him around, the odd comment comes in, he might get a bee in his bonnet about something and then they'll write a story about it. So I think that's what, um, he brings to the table. You know, he just brings that guy that you go, yeah, AB, well, I just remember in the 80s, you know, coming in, batting, saving the saving a test match, you know, facing the West Indies, you know, doing all that. And they always call him Captain Grumpy, but he was my first captain 93. So I was playing that game when he had that run in with Craig McDermott in Somerset when um, it got blown out of proportion. But AB just needs to say one or two words and all of a sudden it can be a story. So, and, and I'm expecting that from him uh, this summer as well. You know, a lot of people want to know what does AB think about what's going on with Australian cricket? How could you have a captain like Stephen Smith suddenly do that? And it's funny because a lot of people want to get comments from guys that have been retired for a while, that are revered, have played 150 test matches, uh, captain of Australia. People want to hear comments from those guys. Maybe not every day. But when the test match is on, they will. Absolutely. And he calls it like he sees it, AB. He doesn't mince his words. All right, two more, three more stars, really, I think, for the Fox Sports coverage. You've got Adam Gilchrist and Shane Warne, two of the biggest names in cricket commentary. And then you've got Kerry O'Keefe, who brings something different. So, I mean, those three names are really going to liven up things. Warney and O'Keefe, going to be a barrel of laughs for you, BJ. Yeah, it is, it is. I mean, Warney's been doing it a long, long time. I think he's a wonderful commentator, Shane Warne. I mean, but he carries a lot of weight too, but like AB, he carries a lot of weight. People want to know what, not what he's doing outside of cricket, but they also want to know what he thinks about cricket. And often, you know, I think back to Mitchell Stark, you know, when he was bowling at the Gabba and Warney, he was working on the test match, you know, a couple of years back. And, you know, he just said, you know, I just don't think he's getting in their face. I don't think he's doing this. And all of a sudden, that's a story. And that's and people will prick their ears up. People want to know, hey, what does Warney think about this? And I think, you know, having him on board it was just a must for us. I just think that so happy that he's come, he's come over to Fox Sports because I think we need someone like him. Massive draw card. Well, exactly right. And I think one of the great things with our coverage is ad-free. We've got no ads, so we've got to fill a lot more time. So it's not. So those will be the that'll be the opportunity to to dig a bit deeper into our cricket coverage, and I think we'll get a lot more comment. And you talk about Kerry O'Keefe; he'll do a lot, you know, the tea break, the lunch break on air as well. But you know, Kerry takes a long time in telling a story, and and one of the great things on radio, um, you could tell that story over three or four overs, and I think we've got that ability on TV to do that. Because we're not going to take ad breaks, we'll be able to sort of get in a little bit deeper and stretch things out and get and get things out you know you don't have to be in a rush to get to the ad break and go oh bang and then pick it up you know so I, I think you know having someone like him is great the thing I love about Kerry as a signing is you know we all know how funny he is and how entertaining he is but what you also get is is his analysis and I know he watches so much domestic cricket like he really does study the game he loves the game and I guess that's underplayed sometimes because he's known as this character. But I think he really brings – he's a multi-dimensional commentator. No, I think you're right. And I think he'll enjoy working with, with our group as well because you're right. I mean, it's like the type of guy when you see him on radio, you're thinking – when you hear him on radio, you're going, oh, mate, can you say something funny? But it, that just comes out organically. And look, he'll be nervous working with Warney. And he'll be wor- nervous working with Gilly, but, you know, he's up there as, as a cricket analyst and commentator with anyone. He's been very good on the back page recently, Kerry. So uh, I think he's, he's primed and he's, he's ready. He's loose. He's limbered up, ready for next summer. I think Michael Vaughan is a great addition to the Fox team, mm. uh, brings in an international feel and a different perspective. But I just want to talk about his little blow-up with Adil Rashid regarding Rashid's selection in the English test team. Vaughan had a go at the selection. Rashid bit back. Vaughan then said, you know, I'm allowed my opinion. I think this sort of theatre is great for the game, where there's an engagement with the media, where players, if they, don't, if they disagree with something, good on him for biting back, because that adds to the sort of interest in the game. And, you know, people love these type of stories. I mean, it's, you well, can't deny it. Look, I agree. I mean, you know, and he wasn't on his own. Nasser Hussain said the same thing as well, and so did Jeffrey Boycott. So there were a lot of people feeling that. Now, I don't know if there was a lot of people outside of those streets saying it, but he was saying it, Michael Vaughan. I mean, he's a cricket commentator. We're paid to commentate. 
you're not paid to sort of fluff around and sort of say everything's great. I mean, and I'm expecting things like that from him this summer as well. And the great thing with it, he's not Australian. You know, he doesn't have to come over here to Australia and commentate with us and say, oh, Australia's great, Australia's great. He just needs to call it the way it is. And, and that's what I hope we all do. You know, and players will get upset and players will, will disagree and that's fine. But you know what? We'll give players a voice to disagree as well. If they disagree with something, hey, I'm happy for them to say that. Doesn't matter. I actually think that's the the best the greatest strength with Fox's team. Um, you know, just the straight shooters that, that are there, Vaughan, yourself, BJ, um, Mark War, Shane Warne. There's a lot of people that are very willing to give their opinion. I think that'll cut through. Channel 7 uh, fronting their coverage with Ricky Ponting, Damien Fleming and Michael Slater. Bruce McAvaney is going to interview some cricketers in the lunch breaks over Boxing Day in the SCG test. Great names there, Ponting, Fleming, Fleming and Slater. Loving seeing a bit more of Fleming. He's, he does a great podcast. A yep. funny guy. Very entertaining. But what I think is he's he your, not... Is he your rival, Menace? I know he's been on this podcast... I, I think I gave him the idea for his cricket podcast. So, yeah, we are rivals. Uh, notable, there are, what's notable this year is there are journalists in the box for Channel 7. And I'm sure Fox are going to do this and draw on the fantastic network of uh, News Corp cricket journalists. But I'm just going to hang around here till I, till I get a job. Just, mate, <laughs> don't, don't hang around. Just walk in commentary. <laughs> well, I think, I, I think it, yeah, sorry, talk about journos. I mean, I love having journalists in there because sometimes they do say what needs to be said. And they have very, very strong opinions as well. I mean, and a lot of people will disagree with them. Some will dis- agree with them as well. So th- that's another, I think, um, an opinion that comes from the outside. Sometimes as ex-cricketers, you know, we can be a little bit insular because we've played the game. We understand what's going on. But sometimes you need someone to look on the outside and go, hey, this, this is the perception of it all. Yeah, and Tim Lane and Alison Mitchell are going to be two of those journalists. And as you say, it's about them extracting information about from cricketers uh, and the other commentators that, you know, a viewer might be thinking, but a cricketer might miss that. So I think it's great to have that balance. Now, there's some emerging talent at Foxtel. Issa Gua and Mel Jones have been signed for Fox. Uh, I think that's great. Um, two great signings for the network. Issa Gua... Um, has been doing really well in England, covering a lot of the cricket for Sky. Mel Jones has been everywhere. So I think they're going to add a real diversity of opinions. Oh, look, I think I think Isha's amazing. I've worked with her in the IPL. I mean, I think she's the first female uh, that's really uh, got stuck into Sky Sports. I mean, I, don't, I just cannot remember a female sort no, of commentator right. that's been out there done, doing the toss, doing pitch reports, yep. doing up front. So Isha's great. She's been working out here with Triple M, ABC. She's been doing lots of work out here in Australia. So people will know her voice anyway. Mel Jones, is, she's worked at Fox. We used her at the Big Bash when we owned it, you know, five, six years ago. So that's, that's not something new. I mean, that to me is just, well, Mel's great and so is Isha. They, they, they will be fantastic for us. I was just going to say, it really shows the, the change from last summer and the way the cricket audiences viewed their commentary team now that maybe a few years ago you just wanted to see ex-Australian captains up there or that's what people put in the coverage together thought. But last year when Channel 9 released their commentary lineup and it was all uh, men who'd played for Australia, everyone was very disappointed that there wasn't a diversity of gender and different um, you know, journalists in there. So mm. this is a real break from that and the coverage will be better for it. Well, look, look, and, and it's sort of – not that it annoys me a little bit, but when we did Big Bash, we did that anyway. You know, we had Mel Jones, we had Lisa Stalaki, we also had Jess Yates, we also had Sarah Jones. Those are the girls that worked at Fox Sports. So we did that in the Big Bash right from the start. It's in our culture to be like that and diversify and add a bit of, you know, you know, a bit of colour to it. A bit in of terms, substance a bit of to depth, the coverage. You know? So we've always done that. I mean, you see that now with Fox's rugby league coverage, AFL coverage. To me, that's just a natural step for us. It's, it's, it's not a massive leap. It's just, well, we've always done that. You know, and that's, that's the frustrating thing I get sometimes is, you know, people will look at it and go, oh, yeah, but it's great that you're starting to diversify and you're starting to do this. Well, we've always done it. You know, that's part of our culture, so it's an easy step for That's probably a legacy Fox. from Channel 9 that sort of rubs off on Fox yeah, Sports. Yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And the cricket right. coverage. Now, um, our online department at The Telegraph has um, been spending a bit of time shaping a couple of 11s for the, uh, for the commentary team because there has been so many signs so far, so... I know that... Um, Am I in the 11? Yeah, you are. Oh, I saw I was batting 11. 12th man. 10, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah, the... Um, I mean, that, that, that can be changed, BJ. Can you That's... get me up the order? I'm <laughs> pinch hitter. 
But uh, I don't know whether there's enough time in the calendar. There's a lot of cricket going on, but you know, perhaps this game could be organised. Like a, at some an, point. an intermedia cricket match. There's uh, a big seven problem. v Fox. Seven's biggest problem at the moment, and I, I don't know whether they're talking about it over there. But they don't have a wicketkeeper. Uh, Tim Lane. <laughs> yeah, he could Is he be behind the sticks? I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe Greg Blewett could do it. Well, maybe there's time for them to sign a keeper because let's talk about those who haven't been signed by Seven or Fox yet. There's a few notable ones. Michael Clark has been left out of both lineups as for Ben. I think it's a surprise. Um, I guess guess public opinion has has gone against him the last couple of years and I'd say that's the main reason I think they listen to. My my mail is that at the beginning of the IPL when the deal came out, he was straight on the phone trying to get a job and by the end of the IPL he was saying, maybe I'll take next summer off. So he could see the writing on the wall pretty quickly and I think that you want likeable people on your TV screen. Now you can infer from that what you mean but... The public want people there that they like, and I don't know if Michael Clark's been that popular with the Australian public. I actually um, haven't disliked his commentary. I think he, uh, I think he adds a bit. I think he's been good over in India. So I, I'm actually, I'm actually surprised. But um, I guess this TV deal goes for six years. So you surprised, BJ? Um, well, look, I, I thought Seven would do it. I didn't think we would do it because I think we, we had a firm idea on, on people that we wanted straight away and I, I think we, we didn't want to pick up nine people straight away. We didn't mm. want to see as a transgression from from Channel 9. Uh, we went with Warney, so I thought that was a big a big signing for us. Um, look, I thought Seven would, you know. I, I just think that, you know, he's been commentating for Channel 9, doing a bit of an IPL as well. But look, they, they probably just looked at it differently. You know, they went with Ricky right up right up front so they'll probably feel that they've got that space covered in terms of you know big profile uh, the two that haven't been signed yet mark taylor and ian healy i think that's surprising because they're very respected figures in australian cricket much like we talked about alan border so i wouldn't be surprised if we see them get a gig closer to the summer or maybe they're on radio but and maybe it's to do with that channel nine hangover but those two i'm surprised about yeah well it's a long summer no doubt about it there's plenty of gaps in our commentary roster and we've got so many games on so i wouldn't be surprised if we see someone like heels you know come in, in into a you know a brisbane test match or channel or seven game. might need him to keep in that game so maybe they'll <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, well the hard thing with heels is i'm not sure he still might have his contract with nine up in brisbane doing some work up there for them so he probably you know he's probably restricted a little bit and uh kevin peterson and andrew flintoff have not been signed by either network yet, which is great. I've had enough of Andrew Flintoff on Australian Ninja Warrior. I kept telling my kids that guy used to play cricket for England. They'd be like, what? Um, but uh, I'm not surprised KP hasn't signed. You know, he's not going to be here for the big bash, so he's, maybe he's, he's not coming down to Australia. Yeah, well, we've got Michael Vaughan. I mean, uh, I think if you've got Michael Vaughan from England... Um, better. Yeah, I think he's better. Vaughan, he came out and did the um, the test series, out, the last Ashes test series out here for uh, BT, yep. British Telecom. So, And I think KP might have done some work with Channel 9. So, yeah, that that, that doesn't surprise me. Good decisions, though. Yeah, Freddie was too so. much. KP was annoying. So, goodbye. See you later. All right, so that's the lineups. I just want to touch on a couple of issues before we end that... I think that there's a lot on the line here for Fox Sports in that they have this very valuable commodity in cricket and now their their goal will be to bring in subscribers to the platform through their cricket coverage. Uh, you know, Seven will have their audience, free-to-air viewers, mm. but Foxtel have a real chance here to people that may have been thinking about getting Foxtel now. This is such a big asset that maybe they'll be out. And it is our national sport. You saw what happened in South Africa. Nothing moved the needle like cricket news in this country. That Mm. Fox Sports have a real uh, challenge to bring people into the platform. Well, it is a challenge. There's no doubt about that. And I think we've got to make it accessible and easy. And I think, you know, streaming cricket will be a big plus for us coming this summer. I think that's going to be something that, that that could move the mark for us. If we make it accessible where you can just plug into your TV and bang, we can stream it down a bit like what similar what Netflix does it. So mm. I think I think that's going to be a big one for us. You know, and it, it's, pro- and over it's the about six a price year, point. Over the six years of this deal, mm. that will become more and more the streaming because a lot of people, they yeah. move out of home now, 20, they don't even have a TV. They've got yep. the laptop, they've got Netflix on it. So if they want to buy cricket, Foxtel will be the answer. Well, exactly right. I mean, people have been asking me. You know, it's funny though. I bumped into someone about three or four weeks ago um, and they said, no, mate, uh, where's the cricket? 
is it, do you guys have, what do you guys have and what do 10 have? I said, mate, 10 don't have anything. He goes, oh, really? Where did it go? Is it still on? No, it's gone to seven. I said, mate, you just need to watch it on Fox Sports. You just watch it all. And that's, that's one big thing that we can do. We can just say, look, don't get confused. Like I said, you just watch it on the one channel, you know, that, and that'll be great. A 24-hour cricket channel, I think, is just huge. I mean, you see the AFL channels are outstanding. The Rugby League channel is outstanding. Now we've got cricket. So I've been craving I think, this for years, Yeah, that's this right. Channel. And I think as a subscriber... If you can get all that twenty four seven, those three sports, I, I I just think that's amazing. I think over the six year period, we'll be chipping away at it. Great, I think sevens sevens challenge is different in that if they bomb, it will be a very public fall. Well, that's right. Man. They, they will. They, the, the pressure will be on seven because they'll get compared to Channel Nine. And don't get me wrong, Channel Nine did a great job of broadcasting cricket. I think um, what they did with, with how they did cricket was great. Yes. Everyone sort of has an opinion about commentary, but at the end of the day, they put together a great product. Yes, people may have disagreed with the commentary side, but that's, that's easily fixed. But Seven are going to make sure that you know, they're improving and getting better than Channel 9, and that's, that'll be the big test for them. And when we saw with the Football World Cup where there were problems with the, the streaming of Optus, how the, the national mm. uh, out, outrage was really loud. So if, if Channel 7 don't do a good job with the cricket, they will feel it. We'll see how that unfolds then. Um, all right. So, guys, we're coming to the end of the podcast. Uh, thanks for coming in, Brendan. It's been great to have you on the show to talk cricket yeah, in great person. To, yeah, look, it's, it's been great to, um, to chat through it. I mean, I'm looking forward to the summer. I mean, uh, we've got a, you know, obviously a, a couple of weeks away and it starts with the GLT series and all that sort of stuff. But Your workload must be a yeah, lot Yeah, it's going to be good. Well, I haven't worked for five years, so I mean, now I'm, now, <laughs> I'm sort of, now I'm sort of fresh <laughs> and raring to go. But I'm looking forward to it as well. I'll be very nervous because, you know, I haven't commentated on a test match in Australia. I've never done that. So for me personally, you know, it's a big thing for me to get involved in this. I know there'll be a lot of people watching it, comparing it. And at the end of the day, you look, I think for us, the most important thing is we've got to get out there and enjoy it. And we've got to always be mindful of including the viewer in, in conversations. You know, sometimes I think as, as commentators, you get sort of caught up with the person you're commentating next to, but there's always a third person listening so, or watching. So that's, that's one big test for us. Um, you know, and look, we'll make our mistakes and we'll be, you know, it'll be a bit clunky here and there. But I think what you can always guarantee with us at Fox is that we'll be pushing the boundaries, hopefully, and just trying to really get down and get gritty with, a, with the cricket coverage. And that's hopefully what will, um, you know, stand out. Can't wait. Add free cricket coverage all summer. Ben, thanks for coming in. Yeah, it's been great, Manus. Thanks for having us. We've had a great couple of special guests recently. We had Peter Neville last show, Brendan today, Hazelwood a month ago. So if you haven't listened to them, go back and download the, the past shows. A lot to catch up it's on. It's a shame we didn't hear from Pete Law today. I thought he wanted more airtime. I think but... he's still asleep at the SCG or something. But look, also want to say that if you're missing cricket, Starting this week on Fox Sports, the Caribbean Premier League kicks off. It starts like morning. When you get up, you can just switch on your, your TV and the CPL will be on. Smith and Warner are running around. I think Ben Cutting's playing over there. Maybe Chris Lynn. So there's a lot of uh, Aussies in action over there. So the cricket starts now on Fox Sports. Can't wait. So listeners, thanks for downloading the show. Thanks, Brendan. Thanks, Ben. We'll be back in two weeks with another podcast. Oh, 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 oh,